There's a story of a little Sunday school class, and as a part of that class, a little girl uh, was listening and retelling her mother what they had learned, what they had talked about that morning in Sunday school class. She told her mother this, Mother, we heard the most wonderful man about the most wonderful man in Sunday school today. His name was Enoch, and he used to go on long walks with God. So one day they walked real far, so far that God said to him, Enoch, you've walked too far to go back, so you better come home with me now. And he just walked on home with God. On Sunday nights, we are learning about uh, this This uh, series is called Unswerving, and it's based on Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. The writer there says, Let us hold unswervingly to the faith we profess, to the hope we profess, rather, for he who promised is faithful. And so we have been looking at uh, the first part of the year we spent going through the New Testament 90-day reading uh, with selections from there about hope and faith uh, in God. And now we're coming back all the way to the Old Testament, and we're going through there little by little, taking one character, one story at a time. Our text tonight is found in Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. If you'd like to turn there and read along, or you can just listen. Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total... Of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more. Because God took him away. Now that's our key text tonight. The character of Enoch is mentioned in a few other places in the Bible. But when we study the story of Enoch. uh, The first thing we get is that there wasn't just one Enoch in the Bible. Uh, Four, by my count, Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 5, Genesis chapter 25, and Genesis chapter 46. So all of them in Genesis. And the first two chapters, those first two Enochs, were the more prominent two of the four. And when you read them side by side, it can be a little bit confusing. But Enoch, our hero tonight, had a unique story. In Genesis chapter 4 and 5, I thought it would be interesting to note the difference because the way that the two Enochs lived their lives uh, made a difference in, well, I will say all of, it, all of our lives uh, in the case of our hero tonight. But uh, certainly the legacy that they each left. In Genesis chapter, two, or chapter 4 and 5, you find these two Enochs. With similar descendant names. And so when you're doing the study over the character of Enoch, it can be a little confusing. Because not only did they share the same name, but their descendants were named similarly. 
The first one is Enoch, who's the third from Adam. He's the oldest son of Cain. So it went Adam, Cain, then Enoch, then Irab, Mahujael, Methusael, and Lamech. And that's the first one. The second one is the seventh from Adam. He would have been the great, 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 great grandson of Seth. Um, and so it kind of went Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enoch, then Methuselah, then Lamech, and then Noah. These two, these two men, although they had similar names, had a very different paths. Adam had, of course, uh, had two sons, Cain and Abel, but then Cain killed Abel. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And so they had Seth to replace Abel. Now, these two uh, siblings could not have been more different in terms of how they lived, their relationship with God, and the relationship of their descendants. We could do a lot of study, but the basic premise is all of Cain's descendants did a whole lot of evil. And all of Seth's descendants seem to do a whole lot of good. The righteous tend to come from Seth, and the evil tend to come from Cain. So these two Enochs, hope you're not too confused, one came from Cain's line, and the other came from Seth's line. And this is uh, the, the second Enoch, the one we're going to look at tonight, the one who walked with God. His story was so unique... He's the only other Enoch who will be mentioned outside of Genesis. His life, his ministry, his legacy, very important. Our hero was the son of Jared. He was the father of Methuselah, whose claim to fame was the longest recorded, at least in the Bible, uh, man who ever lived. And Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah. The biblical stories relate that Enoch lived 365 years before he was taken by God. And as we said, he was seventh from Adam. Enoch's strength, although the Bible does not say a lot about him, what it does say is it has a tremendous emphasis on his faith and his walk with God and his pleasingness to God, if I can make up a word. What made him special? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, 5 says this. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I don't know if I've ever heard of a, uh, any parent who named their child Enoch, but Enoch would be a good name. Great namesake, at least in regard to the second Enoch. Because of his tremendous faith and his walk with God, I had a cousin who many years ago, uh, he actually worked the theater up at the uh, defunct Wild West World. And he was in charge of that. And so, of course, when that went bankrupt, he was out of a job. And so he was trying to uh, kind of in the midst of that search, and he said, you know, God's given me some time off here, and uh, I, I think I'm going to do something that will be meaningful. And so he decided to, to uh, hike the Appalachian Trail from beginning to end, which is uh, several months of hiking, meeting all sorts of unique and different people, to be sure. 
but one of the interesting things about the Appalachian Trail is that while you're on the trail, you're supposed to get a nickname. And you apply it to yourself. I guess you get to pick your own. Uh, and so he picked the name Enoch as one who walks with God. And I thought that was pretty good. If you're going to hike the Appalachian Trail for several months, uh, I hope you're walking with God. Now, <clears throat> some people want to know, okay, Enoch didn't die, and, and we know he shares that uh, similarity with Elijah. But where'd he go? Did he go straight to heaven? Is he in a different place? Uh, Enoch draws a lot of attention due to this enigma surrounding him. I think far too much speculation goes into how and why God took Enoch away. Instead of guessing about things we cannot know, in fact, we should seek, be seeking to follow Enoch's example by being people who walk faithfully with God and seek to please him in our own lives. Where he went, why God took him of all people, uh, these are questions that I call belly button questions in the youth group. Uh, sometimes you get these questions that were interesting to think about, to ponder, maybe to chase a rabbit here or there. Uh, why do I call it a belly button question? That came from many years ago I had a teen ask me, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? I wasn't ready for that one. But my, when I thought about it and spent way more time than I should have studying the matter, I, I came back and I, I said to this young man, I said, um, here's my answer, I think. But before I tell you that answer, here's the reason it's not in the Bible. And the reason it's not in the Bible is because God knew it wasn't important for us to know. And a lot of times we spend so much time wondering and pondering about the things that God felt it wasn't important for us to know that we fail to miss the plain truth that's right in front of us, the things that God did deem important for us to know. And that is our second uh, point tonight, which is Enoch walked with God. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 5, it's kind of the uh, God's obituary column, if you want Here's this guy, here's how long he lived, maybe a mention of what he did, what children he had, followed by the phrase, then he died, which is a whole sermon in and of itself. Uh, no matter who you are, no matter what you accomplish, no matter how long you live or what your children do, uh, your obituary is going to end the same way. Then he died, or then she died. But not so with Enoch. His was different. And, and I think a large part of that difference, when we talk about this in the application, had to do with his walk with God. Now, do all characters who walked with God, because there were others, did they get this advantage? No. Why did God take him? Well, God's God, and he gets to decide that. So he knows better than we do, but we know that his walk mattered. His faith was real enough and that's what the, the idea of walk means. I pictured up there walking, kind of you, you picture walking with God. But it had to more to do with your life. I believe it's John that later says, whoever wants to follow Jesus must walk as he did. He's not saying wear sandals. He's not saying, you know, walk exactly the place where Jesus did. Of course, he's talking about live as Jesus called us to live. Live like he set the example for us to live. Well, that's what walking with God means. Most of us are pretty good about walking with God in a limited sense. But we get the picture from Enoch 
that there was no part of his life that didn't fully uh, match up to his walk with God. There wasn't any area that he hid from God or, or wished to be out of step with God. No, he walked with God in all areas of life. And so important was this walk that in Genesis 5, it mentions it twice. Anytime God mentions something written by the Holy Spirit, twice, pay attention. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says this, How can two walk together unless they be agreed? That he walked with God for 300 years tells us that he was a man who lived his faith and whose relationship with God was very real and, and it, that they were in agreement Many times in my personal relationship with God, there are areas where God's trying to reconcile. He's trying to bring my, my walk, which is very widely from his, he's trying to bring me back over. But what we get with Enoch is that they were walking together, that they agreed together, presumably, on everything. <clears throat> Enoch was then, as we understand, a devoted follower of God. The only other person, as we mentioned, was who did not die, uh, like Enoch experienced, uh, was Elijah. The only other person, two people mentioned in Scripture that walked with God, where it actually uses that phrase, are Abraham and Noah. Now, Noah was his great-grandson. I think there's an important lesson there about the influence that our faith impresses on our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. Proverbs says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I, I think that's true in a lot of ways. And the only other person who pleased God, it's written, he pleased God, was Jesus. So for all the things we don't know about Enoch, we know he uh, wa- did not die like Elijah, that he walked with God like Abraham and Noah did, and that he pleased God like Jesus did. I think it gives us a pretty good picture, which leads us to what he did. He warned others. In the book of Jude, that tiny little book, written in verses 14 and 15 are these words. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming up with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone. And to convict all of them of all of the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So, if what Jude said is true, and I believe that it is, about Enoch, he told the truth despite opposition and ridicule. Now, that's very important in a world where truth is Day by day, we're watching it just erode away. Christians ought to be the people who speak the truth. Now, we should be people who speak the truth in love. Uh, We should be the people who speak the truth in such a way uh, that people who hear it accept it. And even if they don't agree, they respect your stand on the side of truth. He obviously had some influence on his great-grandson Noah. And that faith, even though we don't know if anyone of Enoch's generation heeded his words, because by the time of the flood, 
There was nobody left that God considered righteous except for Enoch's great-grandson. So I say, make that little point to say it's not our responsibility to make sure that truth is always received. That you know, Our responsibility is to speak the truth in love. And as we do that, uh, then what people do with that is, of course, up to them. But even if you speak the truth in love and you feel like it has no influence on the world around you, I guarantee you if you're doing it with integrity and faith and character, you will, it will be impossible for you to not influence your family. Uh, one of my good friends, Jason Lawrence, is just who I picture on this point. Uh, Jason is a man of the utmost character and integrity and faith in God. And I don't know who uh, he has converted out of the world to Christ. But I can tell you this, his passion for evangelism, for speaking the truth in love, is so real, he has converted many of his family, brothers and sisters, in-laws, by his simple, profound, and genuine faith. And I think that's always going to be something that happens for people of faith when it's genuine. I want to take just a minute and talk about the book of Enoch, which is mentioned here. I think believe in Jude. Um, The book of Enoch is a pseudographical work. Um, It's a a non-biblical source, non-inspired, and it claimed to be authored by someone who's from the Bible. Um, This book is using Enoch as a reference, but that does not mean it's divinely inspired. Jude quoting from the book of Enoch does not indicate that the entire book is true uh, or inspired. Uh, none of the books of Enoch, that if you find them or read them or find them on the Internet, uh, none of them were actually, of course, written by the biblical Enoch. Uh, but since the, biblical, uh, since the Bible book of Jude quotes from First Enoch and attributes the quotation to, the, to our hero, uh, at least one small prophecy of that false book uh, must be truly attributable to the real Enoch. Uh, Jude's quote is not, by the way, the only place in the Bible this happens. Paul quotes Epimenides in Titus chapter 1, verse 12. <clears throat> but that does not mean we give... Uh, scriptural authority to the writings of Epimenides, nor do we give scriptural authority to the book of Enoch. Uh, We should treat the book of Enoch as we would any other apocryphal book. Apocryphal meaning just a a non-canon book, a non-inspired book. Some of what you may find in those books is true and correct, a a historical account. But at the same time, there's much of it within the, the book itself that's false and historically inaccurate. And so that's why it's not included in the canon. So if you, if you read these books, and I know some people like to, and it's easy to do with Google, uh, you need to understand how to think about them, how to treat them. They are interesting historical documents, but they are not the inspired, infallible, authoritative Word of God. All right, let's get four simple application lessons, and we'll be done tonight. From the life of Enoch, about whom Scripture does not say much, but of what it says is impressive. With God, common people do uncommon things. There were, as we said, four Enochs written about in the Bible. Uh, 
But there's only one that we spent this time tonight talking about. You may think yourself common. Now, I, myself, I have an uncommon name. You don't hear too many Tobys. There's a few. Uh, we've got one other one here at Northside. But uh, if you're a, you know, Christy's maiden name was Smith. You know, lots of Smiths, lots of commonality to that. Um, can't everyone be a levering, you know? Um, you may think you're just a cog in a wheel, that you're just a nobody, you're just an ordinary person, that you don't have any influence. Everything that we see about Enoch's life was ordinary, except for this area of his faith and his walk with God. The, some of the people who I've, I'm convinced have influenced me for eternity are very common people. God often uses the common more than the uncommon. But God always makes the common uncommon and the ordinary extraordinary. Secondly, walking with God really matters. Again, you can say that you believe it. You can tell someone you attend this church. You could go to that church for two or three hours a week. But it's the walk that matters. It's the walk that makes the difference. This reminds us of a couple of things. Number one, when you're in a relationship with God, it's a journey. God loves you just as you are, but he does not intend you to stay that way. There is nothing in all of God's creation that's living that stays the same. Only those things which are dying do not change. Secondly, it's about a relationship. It's not so much about where you you are, but about who you're with and about where you're headed. By faith, Enoch did not experience physical death. And it's with that same faith in the same God that we have the same hope that we will not experience eternal death. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said these words to a grieving Mary. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's beautiful, but the best part is the question. The best part is the question that follows. Do you, do you, do you, do you believe this? Do you believe it? Enoch believed it. Of course, he didn't know Jesus as we would know Jesus, but he knew him in a spiritual sense. This kind of faith that Enoch had, this walk, has deep and lasting influence. It could maybe be said that if Enoch did not walk as he did with God, there would have been no Noah, perhaps no ark, perhaps no us. And as we think about our walk, you kind of hear people on both sides of this when you talk about sharing faith. And there are some people who say, well, I believe, you know, they just, every class should be on evangelism, every, every sermon preaching to lost souls. Um, and the other extreme of that is, I don't really want to share my faith, I just want to live a good example. And I don't think the Bible condones either of those two things by themselves. I think it's both. I think it's your walk and your talk and your life and your willingness 
to reach the lost and love the lost, but also uh, to make sure that you are saved, to make sure your family uh, is saved and reaches eternity. Enoch preached. I love that. Of course, preacher would. But very few people listened or responded. And that gives me hope, too, because sometimes you, you think you lay it all on the line and there's nothing. And it's not really about that. The influence uh, that a preacher makes has more to do than with any single one sermon. The influence uh, makes a difference over the lifetime, in the long haul, with your family. Enoch's testimony, Enoch's greatest response, didn't show up until Noah, in my opinion. Number three, be sure to warn others. Judgment is coming. Enoch warned about this about that day. Maybe he was talking about the, the catechismic flood or just the day of judgment in general. We don't know. But the Bible is very clear that there is a day of judgment coming, a, a time when God will separate the sheep from the goats, a time when God will judge the righteous and the unrighteous. We do not long for that day. Uh, we only want to make you aware of its coming and that when it arrives, Nothing will turn it back, and nothing will change what God decides. And so tonight, let me warn you, if I haven't made that clear enough, if you're not in Christ, let me take Enoch's example and warn you that the judgment of God is coming, and no one will stand except those who are alone in Christ. And finally, wisely choose your legacy. Which Enoch are you? Which path are you going to walk? Which journey are you going to take? Which legacy will you leave? Um, the best example I could think of this is uh, Kelsey Nash. Kelsey Nash, um, of course, daughter of Kevin and Franny, but the reason Kelsey has her name is because the impact of a man named Raymond Kelsey, professor at Oklahoma Christian, made on a young Franny Weber. And that impact was so sincere of his faith and his joy and his love that she decided that whoever her first biological child would be would receive the name Kelsey, boy or girl. Well, that's a good name legacy to live up to. Maybe you have a name legacy like that. Enoch certainly cho chose his legacy wisely. I think most anyone would be proud to wear that name today. Well, I hope you learned a little about Enoch. I know in my study I certainly did. Uh, for the next two weeks, we're going to study the Godly Father, part one. You movie buffs will like that title. And uh, everyone else is kind of confused. I hope that you are ready for the coming Judgment Day. But if you're not, the opportunity to prepare for that day is tonight. If you have a need, I will meet you down front. I can pray for you. I will lead you to Christ, study with you. Whatever need you might have, if there is one, please bring it as together we stand and sing.